Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi folks, this is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Hey, Pastor. Well, hey, Dr. Rub- I'm just going to stop there. Yeah, so... <laughs> Hi. I guess, I guess Hi, Doctor. Just, yeah, I guess we just need to get into it, don't we? I mean, I don't know. We can see how we're doing. I mean, I can... I mean, I can see how you're doing, right? How are you doing? Well, I'm good. It's been a busy day today. It has, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday, October the 11th, National Coming Out Day. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just been busy for me. I've been coming out. You have been. You've been coming out for years, child. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what else is going on in the world? Anything else that uh, is pressing that we need to let the listeners know about? Uh, Theology Beer Camp is is this weekend. Fine. So I'm, I'm heading to that. And Derek Webb and I announced a little teaser to some experimental shows that we're doing. And I'm trying to think what else is happening. I mean, I feel like there is a lot happening and always. And it's mm-hmm. like, which one thing do we talk about that right. is most pressing? Because it, it all feels pressing. Right. I mean, we can look at what happened in LA where um, anti blackness and anti indigeneity. Right, bubbled up, and that is from, that from is, a human of from a human of color. Right, right, and and that is anti blackness. There, there is a um, th- there are many threads of anti blackness throughout Latino history, and you know, like I always say, we have a rough history, and but but people don't have that historical memory, but, right. but yet when you hear when city council people level an anti-black statement or an anti-indigeneity statement, um, it makes news. And right. so, you know, there's just a lot going on. And I we think we could talk how, talk about how conscripted into whiteness Herschel Walker is. Oh, and yes. how much of a, me- I mean, so because Chattanooga is only about, six miles from the Georgia state line, Mm -hmm. we get even more news from Georgia than um, some others may in the country. And um, Herschel Walker is running for the U S Senate seat against Raphael Warnock. And uh, it's just a shit show. I mean, like it is, it is so messy. Like it's not even, like, I don't even know how you clean a mess like that up. Like, I think about, like, cooking and, like, flour being, like, thrown on the ceiling. Right. And, like, the blender blowing up and, like, coating the windows yeah. and the floor. And there being, like, food coloring everywhere. Like, it's that kind of messy. <laughs> well, and what gets me, and maybe we're getting off topic a little bit, but it's worth to mention everything that's happening. What gets me is that if you have a come to Jesus moment, then all of your toxicity is washed away. And I'm like, the, 
the narrative is that he is still toxic and dangerous. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, you know, and, and this is a, again, a kind of one theological thread that is, you know, knitted into this. But I mean, that is really a textbook definition for cheap grace. Right. I mean, you know, we are not humans that follow Jesus and are people who pay attention to forgiveness and grace when we say, I'm a horrible person and I'm doing these horrible things, but I'm forgiven by grace. And now that I'm forgiven, I'm going to go out and keep doing these horrible things and right. being a horrible person. Right. I mean, there's a the, the cheapness and the stinkiness of that kind of grace. Just it, 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 it disgusts me because I, I am someone who, you know, does have a, a really still has a has a plumb line tied directly to Jesus and my, you know, understanding of Jesus's role in my life. And that kind of grace just makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Right. I mean, it's right. just it's that's that's not that's not who we are. And if it is who we are, then that's not who I want to be. Right. Right. So. But anyway, anyway, I am I am good. Um, it is very busy here. Things are things are crazy. Um, but I've got I have had a couple of music festivals um, that I went to. I went to a festival this past weekend. I'm going to see a concert this coming weekend. Oh, cool. Um, I'm supposed to be seeing um, the Judd's farewell tour. And I'm really having a hard time in my gut knowing that I'm going to see just Winona um, mm. because her mother passed away, um, died by suicide earlier this year and was not able to um, even start the farewell tour with, um, with Winona. So it's um, it's comp that, that show is complicated for me um, yeah. both based on my, like the nostalgia that it produces, as mm -hmm. well as the heartbreak that comes with that. And I know will come with being in that space. Yeah. Where are you seeing them? In Huntsville. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. I am, and I'm, you know, going with some dear friends. So it'll be yeah. a, it'll be a good night, but also like, I'm already prepared for that. Yeah. Like the feelings that I feel like are going to arise out of that. Um, so you briefly introduced um, today, we are recording today on October 11th, which is National Coming Out Day. Um, National Coming Out Day was first observed in 1988, and it's uh, it's celebrated on October 11th because it is the anniversary of the National March on Washington for right. lesbian and gay rights. Yeah. And... Um, so we've been celebrating National Coming Out Day since 1988. Um, you know, we are many years into it, but you had a very busy morning. Yeah. Um, why don't well, you? So did, so did you? I did. I did because I was helping you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners um, what today what today was for you? So. I'm so glad that we're recording this and so glad that I have a chance to speak a little bit more at length than the video that I released, which some of you may have seen. But, uh, you know, I came back from Palestine not realizing that I could experience the gender euphoria that I had experienced there. Um, and I... I decided to embrace this male of center, this masculinity of center, uh, and choose a new name for myself. And the name that I've chosen is Roberto Che Espinosa. And I explain in the video the different parts of the name, but but basically Roberto is an attempt to rescue um, Rob which is what I was called uh, as a kid all the way up until I started uh, college. And I've always wanted to be called Roberto uh, for my Spanish classes, but I was always called Roberta, and I never did like that. I don't look like a Roberta. No, you don't. No. So, um, yeah, I, I took on this new name. I've changed everything online, and... 
I guess we'll figure out if folks are going to call me Dr. Roberto or Dr. Espinosa or what. But I'm doing my first event this week as Roberto at Theology Beer Camp. And they have been so kind and uh, just on it. They've given me a new picture to post with my new name and um, lots of affirmation, lots of deep postures of welcome. And, you know, interestingly, and we've talked about this before, how, I, you know, the Theo bros seem to gravitate to me and <laughs> they do. And um, a lot of them have reached out thanking me for the video and, and what I said. And so I, I think that we might be able to not just plant some seeds, but really cultivate a new understanding of masculinity and maleness uh, if we pay attention to the fullness of who we are. So that's my big news. Um, coming out. Tell everyone a little bit about your middle name. Oh, yeah. So That's, I mean, I love Roberto, but my, your middle name is my favorite. Yeah. So Che is this uh, is a common expression uh, and nickname in throughout Latin America. And and um, it, it's for me, it's after Ernesto Che Guevara, who is a hero of mine. And I don't know if you all know the history of Ernesto Che Guevara, but he left medical school in Argentina and drove through Latin America and was radicalized by the poverty and hunger that he saw throughout Latin America in countries that had U.S.-backed governments. And so for me, it is a reminder of the question that I write about in activist theology, am I a revolutionary or am I a charlatan? And so... um. I'm embracing that, that revolutionary spirit. You know, I think that so many of us are conscripted into supremacy culture. So many of us end up being charlatans without even realizing it. And so I really want to keep that front and center and really steward the work and spirit of revolution. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking with, Clinton, who who you know, who has served as security for me in the past, and and you know Clinton, Clinton asked me if if I'm going to do some more work on how the academy doesn't serve me. So then I said to Clinton, "Was the academy just my beard?" In this, in the same way that gay men have beards yeah. in terms of female partners because yes. they don't want to come out. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, Oh, was the Academy my beard? <laughs> You're laughing. I, I mean, it's just, I, I am 100% tracking with the explanation and the terminology that's used. And it, I mean, it just struck me as funny because it is, um, there, there is, there is such a, problem with academia and the way that it um, in many ways bastardizes the humanness of people. Yeah. And so it's like there, I was getting really bizarre visuals oh, in my, in yeah. my head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Just, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at the concept. I think the concept is dead fucking on. Yeah. And also it's making me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll be, I, I guess I'll be doing some work around that, but I'm mainly, I'm mainly interested in connecting ethical futures and ethical masculinities. And what does that give us? So that's my big news. And I'm wondering, like, do you have any news on national coming out day? Uh, <laughs> my armpits are sweating. Um, yes, I, um, I am coming out as a bisexual woman. Oh, yeah. How was that for you? Oh. That, I mean, that's like one of the first times you said this, this out loud and, and um, in public. Yeah. So there's like a little tear that's like, yeah, about to roll over the bottom of my eyelid. Um, uh, yeah, if it feels, it feels fine. Yeah. To say it. Yeah. Um. And it makes me want to hyperventilate. Yeah. Um, I, I don't 
I don't really have a story that um, kind of backs up or that like has informed this uh, this kind of self and public pronouncement for myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am as as our listeners m- may remember. I mean, I I am I have been married to my husband for 25 years. We have been monogamous for 27 years. Um, I have, um, I have no, uh, sexually intimate perspective from which I announce or pronounce this. And yet, like I know in my bones that that's exactly who I am. Yeah. And so I am, um, I have for so long identified in this space as an accomplice, Mm -hmm. as someone who is, um, has, has very intentionally, attempted to put my body and my being and my privilege and my job in the way of harm. Yeah. Uh, queer harm that, um, I am, I am both grateful that I'm able to continue to kind of move into this beingness as a queer individual and also um, wrestling with what it means to have not identified publicly in this way for so long. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this in private, and I know that when you first came to this realization, you were adamant about not coming out. And I think that I think that people's sexuality evolves over time. We get socialized into a particular expression, and then we just do that. And... I think one of the great reminders of how fluid some people's sexuality is, is, is the person who is bisexual. And there's so much by invisibility. There's so much. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, even my partner historically has identified as bisexual and has dated a lot of Latin men and um and black men and and mostly people of color and and it and i know that i know that for my partner it was always a real challenge to be fully seen because they don't have just a straightforward sexuality and so right. and and i think that one of the things that I have been critical about f- on National Coming Out Day is that you have to be legible as L or G. And or I even or even T, I right. think. Yeah. Right. And I and I think that we are we are undermining our community when we require legibility. Because so many of us, like myself, evolve and unfurl over time. Would I have done this years ago? Yes. But I didn't have the social support. And and I think that's the case for a lot of people. I mean, I, I would venture to say right now, you know, you're coming out in part is is due to the fact that you have a, a big you you have a um like a net a nest that holds you yes and also um the bisexual invisibility is real yep and came at me in the last few days you know i i shared with a few of my closest friends that i 
was planning on on doing this on the podcast and one of them said to me like okay like so like what like what is it like what is it it doesn't change anything about who you are, but it also like, why, like, why, why do you, why does, why do you even have to do this? Like you and your husband aren't like going to start like exploring non-monogamy, right? Like, why do you even need to like talk about it? Hmm. What'd you say? Um, I said that I, I understand that confusion and also me naming who I am is as important as, you know, me naming that I have been diagnosed with something or me telling you that I am moving to another state or me sharing that I am going to change the color of my hair. Like all of those things are a part of the next iteration of me Mm -hmm. and part of the current iteration of me. And I, I, I mean, I, I get the confusion around what does it matter? Mm hmm. And that was my own concern Yeah. when you and I, I mean, you mentioned that I, you know, talked about like not even feeling like I need, I wanted or needed to come out for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I have no intention of exploring my bisexuality from an intimate standpoint. And yet like it's, it's who I am. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that this acknowledgement gives you a fuller sense of who you are. For sure. Yeah. And it will help people relate to you in a different way. Um, I mean, in the same way that, you know, I think everybody is concerned about my partner, Aaron, like, oh, are y'all going to stay together? I'm like, I'm just fucking changing my name. Is, right. Like, is anything different, you know? Right. We were we were with a friend and I left early. And this friend asked Aaron, I mean, how are you with this? And Aaron's like, I've been waiting for this, you know? So it's it's like, I guess I, I say that to say in the same way that this is who I've been all along. It's not changing anything. I mean, people are going to have to update their phones and their email address. You know, it's the same is true for you. Like, right. This is who you've been. I mean, I told I told another set of friends, a a set of of, uh, two uh, women that I that are married and they were like, we fucking knew it. Yeah. I'm like. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Simmer. Yeah. This is not a contest to yeah. see who is most right about yeah. anyone's sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must feel good to have been seen. Yes, it does. It does. They also, I mean, they make me laugh. They're yeah. like, you know, you know, and, and, and they call me out and they said, you know, like, we've been telling you that this is who you are for 10 years and you've been lying to us. Uh huh. Like, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not really the case. Like that's not, you know, um, and so, yeah, it, it's complex. It's, it's, it's complex because I both recognize, I recognize the reason, the why, and I absolutely, my, my biggest hope is that my announcement allows for others to see me more fully mm-hmm. and to relate to me better. Mm-hmm. But like that, that, that's, that is what it, that's it. Like there's, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm, I don't see anything about my existence changing when I stop recording this episode right. and publish it into the world. I mean, I mean, like I say, I'm an equal opportunity person when it comes to 
sex, gender, and sexuality. That doesn't mean I'm going, that doesn't mean I'm just going to fuck anything that moves. Right. right. That, that doesn't mean that I'm going to start right. changing something. It just means like, right. I am not fixed in some mode of attraction. Right. But can we also talk about how problematic it is? And even in the queer community, that there is an expectation around queerness to, to be a certain way oh, or yeah. to, or to identify in a certain fashion. And that, you know, to identify as queer and to name the flavor of that queerness from a sexual standpoint means that it needs to have been or intends to be acted upon. Right. Like I am not someone's like, I'm not for, I'm not, my sexuality is not for other people's consumption. Right. And nor is, nor is my, an, an illumination of my desires mm-hmm. into my, into my sexuality. Now, some people are very open with that. And I, and I affirm people that are, but I, I mean, I have a few friends that I have not told because I know that their questioning is going to be so out of line that I, that I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And, um, can we talk about how problematic it is even to have to come out? Right. I mean, there is that too. Yeah. That that I think that we should we should mention even this concept of coming out. We are who we are. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would very much prefer prefer a labelless um set of you know a, a labelless identity kind of ether mm-hmm. um i think that we are beginning to see some of those manifestations with the youth with our with our younger right. um selves i mean i i look at you know the the kids of some of my friends and their responses to their parents when their parents ask questions around their sexuality or their their identity um, is almost flippant to a mm-hmm. point of like I like what I like it doesn't yeah. like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who who I like or what I like I like what I like and that doesn't define me as anything right and. What a like what a gift. Mm-hmm. What a gift to be to to have that luxury. Um I I pray that that becomes the norm. That mm-hmm. that is a that is a normalized process for um kids and for and for grown humans that are attempting to be the best version of themselves. That I like what I like and I like who I like. And it doesn't define me as anything. Yeah. It just defines me as me. It's it's like I love Arak, which is the national Palestinian beverage which we had at Lira. Right. And and if you don't know what this drink is, it tastes like licorice. It's uh-huh. it's it's fermented with anise. And you know, for some people it's an acquired taste. For me, I'm just like, yes. Uh-huh. But it's it's almost like that. Like for some people, beer is an acquired taste. Right. But for other people, they're just like, I like it just because I like it. Right. And I and I wonder when can we start treating sexuality that way instead of sexuality being tied to a particular kind of biology right. and socialization that is really accelerated by empire religion. Right. Yeah, it's um I think that I think that today has I mean we you and I worked really hard to try to make this transition for your public self as seamless as possible. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean I'm a I'm a planner and I'm a you know thank God. J, I'm a J in Myers-Briggs and so like I have very specific ways that I want like us to do things at which I know drives you crazy sometimes. And like you texted me a week ago and you're like, I think I'm going to announce my name change on Instagram tonight. And I was like, Oh no, the fuck you aren't. 
no, 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 no. <laughs> like you are a public figure. Yeah. We are. Go- there is going to be a plan around this, yes. and which I'm like, grateful for. Like, you were like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay, we can have a plan. <laughs> but I think that you know, um, the the labor that I, I mean, the way that you have labored since your return. Um, watching you, you know, labor through this kind of the the decision over um, the changing of your pronouns, the changing of your name, the way that you are, you know, wanting for those of us that are are in intimate relationality with you to, you know, have nicknames for you and which nicknames you affirm. I mean, that labor has not been difficult, but it has been, there has been a terrain to it Mm -hmm. that I have watched you navigate. You have done the same for me. You have, Mm -hmm. I mean, we were, I mean, it's been what, maybe eight months, Mm -hmm. 10 months since we first had this conversation about me um, and my bisexuality. You have in the same way kind of watched me navigate Mm -hmm. this terrain um, again, it, not that it has been overtly laborious, but there still is a labor involved. We, we have to honor that mm-hmm. in people's stories. We have, I mean, I, we have, I know you and I both have friends in, in this work who, whose coming out has really changed who other people believe them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has changed the way that they are able to monetize their skills. Mm-hmm. It has changed the way that they are in friendships and in intimate relationships with others. It has changed their ability to get speaking gigs and to make a living. Right. And, and yet the labor involved in even the most trauma-filled coming out stories is no different than the labor involved in a, a very simple, like, non-drama-filled coming out story mm-hmm. like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, it's incumbent on us to honor to honor that and to see that in one another. Why? Well, I, I think that absolutely. Yes. And I think that this is just part of our integration and, you know, we are ever unfolding, ever evolving. If we are curious about ourselves and I mean, we've been doing this work really since 2017 as kind of work partners and you know, I'm not trying to collect white people (laughs) and, and, and you have committed yourself to being curious about yourself, which has resulted in a bunch of different growth mindsets. Oh, for sure. One, one that you're now. One very small one, right. Is is this. Yes. Correct. And, and I just want to say, that's all part of the integration, you know? Um, I will also say that whiteness for women often, often materializes through disembodiment. And I think your awareness of your bisexuality has been part of you coming into your body. The same is true for me, you know? Um, And you talk, you talk, intimately about that in your most recent book. Right. And right. and understanding the both the through lines and the crosshairs yeah. of of that that becoming and that evolution. So I just want to say, you know, there may be people listening. You know, I, I think I think we need to remember that disembodiment is always racialized. And there may be people listening who and I hear from people all the time thank you so much for writing this book. I'm, I'm trying to get into my body. It wasn't until I was in my mid forties before I, you know, found myself. I'm like, well, me too, you know? And, and I think that for anyone who is listening, 
if we are not contesting our racialization with our practices of embodiment or disembodiment, I don't know how well we can be in our body. We, we've got to trouble the waters of whiteness in the ways in which it forces us all to be disembodied, even people of color. Whiteness has no imagination. Right. It, but when we begin to become curious about ourselves, that is when we, we see the possibilities for imagination. And, and so I, I think that is, that is definitely true for you. I mean, your whole somatic journey, um, your whole journey of learning to trust the relationality that we have. And all of that, you've just stepped further and deeper into your becoming, which is part of this acknowledgement. Yes. Thank, which is major. Thank, thank you for seeing me like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think one of my biggest fears, and I really, I don't have many, I don't have fears around this announcement, but one fear that I do have is that those elements of my becoming are not seen to others. And so this announcement either seems out of the blue or seems as if I'm pandering right. to a, a, a group of humans who I have such love to love for and, and such solidarity with that. Um, I, it is important to me that I am, that, that the wholeness of my, of my evolution of my becoming is acknowledged in this announcement because you're right. Um, one thing does not happen without the other, does not happen without the next, and does not happen without the next. Every single piece of this is intertwined and interfolded. Um, and, and it is through my solidarity and my um, accomplished accomplishment nature with this community that I feel safe mm -hmm. and that I feel um, completely myself right. in, in, in naming, in naming this. I mean, I think that, you know, like I said to you on text, if you like unicorns, you like unicorns, you know, it's your fucking sexuality. And I think that when we begin to stop policing people and their sexuality, there's so much policing in the queer community. And I think when we when we stop policing people and we just let people unfurl, we will we will begin to to have a different kind of relationality with folks. But if we continue to police people and demand that people be legible or for example, just because I'm coming out as a trans guy that I break up with Aaron and go you know, hook up with a gay man. And, and that's just not true in the same way. Like this awareness for me is not changing anything except how, except my orientation continues to unfold. Right. And I would say the same is true for you. Like Correct. you're not going to, you know, break up with Mike to go try out your bisexuality. Right. Your bisexuality just is, and it's in it. I would reckon to say this awareness of your bisexuality will inform your orientation. Correct. And, and that's it. Like, it's not going to change your daily life. Right. In it, in the bedroom, I would say, there are ways that it could change your life as you begin to venture into some of these conversations, right. as you begin to explore even, even what it meant for you to be, to know this about yourself, maybe for a long time, but not feel comfortable coming out. I think there's a lot of people right. who, and I would say it's not just women. I would say, sure. I would say there are cis men who 
feel bisexual or who are curious about that. And I'm only saying this because I have data because people have told me their stories, but I hold them in holy confidence. So I don't repeat the things that I hear, but I know for a fact that there are cis men who are curious, but because of the way they were socialized, right. They have married a cis woman. Right. And, and feel that that is the, end of their becoming right. as a as 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 a being right. as it relates to their sexuality right like they believe that they kind of they came to the finish line right like that's where they stop right yeah i think that i am i'm i mean i am i'm excited i'm not i mean yes my like my armpits were sweating they're not anymore so like yep. i think i just like had to say it once and then yep. i was better um i told you before we recorded i was like i'm a seven on the enneagram i can do this i yep. don't i don't i'm i'm fine i'm yep. fine it's all fine yep. <laughs> um but you know what that also relates back to is you know my sevenness um doesn't want me to feel the hard feelings right it doesn't want me to navigate and negotiate the emotionally intimate things that don't feel good mm-hmm. and fear and um you know a, a an uncertainty and, and and just like an annoyance around mm. people who like think that there's only one way to be something right um are not feelings that i like feeling right so right. i'm going to avoid them and so <laughs> you know uh i'm going to avoid them until i can't anymore yeah and so i think that you know we are in the same way i think that you will continue to experience both a, a revolutionary openness when you hear your name spoken and also um, maybe not always answer to it the first time someone says it because right. it is still, right. it is still a piece of your becoming that you have not like full, like you, your brain just isn't there yet. You aren't, right. I mean, you know, you are Roberto. Yeah. And yet if someone calls your name out at, the coffee shop right <laughs> you may be like oh uh, oh wait oh wait that's me <laughs> yeah 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 i i will say i will say that there are people who are um trying out different names for me on social media and one guy said i'm gonna try out dr che and i had to respond and say I'm not going to go by my middle name no. and i said che is a very specific term in latin america I'm not going to go by that. So I, right. I did have to draw a boundary and, and I hope people will respect that. Sure, um, of course. But I mean, I hope they will as well, but I think I just, you know, I mean, I, I think that, I think that both of us are just continuing to unfold in this next step that is yeah. us. And yeah. it's going to look very different for me than it looks for you than it looked for any other human that that came out as bisexual today or any other trans man that changed his name today. Um, None of those things are in any kind of binary um, or any kind of silo. And so this journey is only mine. And um, I share pieces and parts of it with those with whom I am in deep relationship. Yeah. One of those is, you know, Mike, my husband. One of those is you um, and and other kinfolk that mm. are specifically important to me as it comes to when it comes to me kind of naming who I am and sharing yeah. who I am with people. Yeah. Um, and then in other instances, there will be people who will hear this podcast and um, potentially, you know, give me feedback and I, I will have very little to offer. Right. So, you know, there, there is a, I, I am, I am fully confident in my, in the relationships that I need to be, that, that I need to be confident in. I mean, I think the, the, the lesson here, at least as I envision it, is to let people continue to evolve. And to yeah. be okay with that evolution, 
Um, I mean, I've said this to you before, and I and I may have said it on this podcast before, but people people will often ask my husband and I, you know, what our like what the key to this longevity in our relationship is. I mean, it is it is not common for people to for Gen Xers to have and, and younger to have the kind of longevity in a relationship that right. Mike and I have. Um, and I mean, I have answered on several occasions. I, we are on the, about the fifth version mm-hmm. of our relationship. We both recognize that our change game is strong. Yeah. Like I am really good at changing. And he is really good at changing. And what that means is then that means our partnership is really good at changing. And we are along for that evolutionary ride. And thankfully, we have experienced a change in partnership that has not ever once for the other said, okay, like that, like I appreciate the fact that you are changing in that way, but like I can't go there with you. right? And so I think that, I am already really lucky that I am experiencing life with someone who is on the in like in the passenger seat for yeah. my drive towards the change sunset. Yeah. Like I like and 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 I will change more between now and the day that I'm no longer um breathing air. Yeah. But um that that has been a that has been a really big gift to me. Yeah. And and I would say that, you know, for those that are that are that feel challenged with the change or challenged with watching people and scenarios and situations and relationships change, um, if you cannot embrace the change, name it. Mm-hmm. and move on do not attempt to hold back the change because that the person is changing because they need to the right. person is evolving and becoming because they need to because it's the only way they know to be themselves and so um you know if you can't be along for that change that's okay but don't attempt to backpedal, to ask that person to backpedal. I mean, that was in, that's in part of my coming. story. Correct. That's part it of my is. story, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was with someone for 16 years who refused to acknowledge me as trans because I didn't want to be a man. I still don't want to be a man. That's not what right. I'm after. Right. I'm after something adjacent to what we understand as man or maleness. Right. And, and I would have done this years ago had I had the social support, but it, it's only now – that I've had the social support and in the same way that you say that you're on your fifth or sixth iteration of your relationship with Mike, the same is true for me and Aaron. You know, we had this dating season, then like we had the pandemic season, which we are still in. Now we have that marriage season and now I am stepping into more, more gender affirming care, you know? So uh, I, I think you know, one of the things that I first learned about Aaron is if I'm going to be with them, I'm going to have to learn to adapt, which is essentially what you're saying. Correct. You know, Aaron's an artist and Aaron is uh, most alive when they are creating and they wanted to get back to that. And, and, and I was like, great. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm here for it, you know? And creators, most creators do not know where they are going to end up when they start. Exactly. And, and that is scary for, I'm generalizing, folks like you who are highly, highly pragmatic, highly intellectual, um, you know, oriented towards um, an outcome or at least a logic and so, you know, that, that those two things do not always right. work in, in right. harmony with one another. Right. So right. you're right. So I think, you know, that's why we vowed to be curious with one another. Because without that, we can't evolve and change. And Aaron reminds me all, of, all the time, change is the only constant. Right. And so this just makes sense. This, this particular change for both of us. Yeah. Here we are. 
here we are on National Coming Out Day. Um, thanks for being along on this journey with us, friends. We are, uh, there's very little that doc- that Dr. Roberto and I don't tell you about ourselves. And so um, we appreciate your continued solidarity with us on this journey. And we are really excited for what's next. Um, please do make sure that you are seeing all of um, Roberto's updates on social media. All of those handles, except for Twitter, has changed. Um, and so you should still be following him in all the ways that you were. Um, but do make sure that you're that you're seeing those changes. And if not, um, do a search for Roberto Che Espinosa. You will find him. Nothing will change about uh, what he is posting other than the profile name that you yep. see at yep. the top of, of the profile. Um, thanks for being along on this journey with us. We are glad that you're in solidarity with us. We'll keep doing this as long as you keep doing it with us. Yes. And, um, we're, we're really thrilled to see what happens. Do follow us at atporch.com. That's the app. You can join and be in further conversation with us about our becoming and then follow activist theology on all the socials at activist theology. Don't forget the A and the T. Don't forget the activist and the theology share a T. Yes. I've said that that like hundreds of times now. And I, I, you know, I said, okay. I know. That's all good. I know. I'm a little flustered. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thanks friends. We'll, We'll see you next week. Here's the ethical features. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no mercy. So I just keep working. Maybe God could save me. Oh, my boss, my payment. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.